modern mental hygiene. That's what we're talking about today. What is it and do you practice it? So let's get started. Several years ago now, when I was managing our dental practice, I remember feeling so lost. Just didn't seem like things were as fun as they used to be. They seemed to be so much harder. I felt like I was always chasing this elusive time in the future when things were going to get better. Once I get that perfect team member, once we make a certain amount in production and collections, once we build our new office, once we have it paid for, once we get out of it, then things will be better. We'll feel secure. Everything's going to be great. Then we can take our foot off of the gas just for a second. I was mentally and physically exhausted, was so busy working toward that next thing to feel better. A friend of mine calls it success exhaustion, and I so get it now. Then one weekend, I had rented a cabin in the mountains, and I was going to get it together. Take a breather, reorganize, reprioritize, revamp everything. That evening, I had poured myself a nice glass of wine. I was in the hot tub. And I just remember thinking, I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then it dawned on me, what does that even mean? I had not been diagnosed with a mental disease. But it did not mean I was mentally healthy. There, are t- there were times when I felt like I was going crazy and I wanted off of that toxic tre- treadmill. Now, interestingly enough, I had figured that out with my physical pill. I had not been diagnosed with some disease, but I felt like crap. I was not sleeping, mood swings, hot flashes. I would get these allergic reactions that didn't have any explanation. And then there was those 10 pounds that I could not get rid of, no matter how hard I tried. And I remember thinking that I just didn't have time to take care of myself. There were so many people depending on me, always had fires to put out, but it wasn't good enough anymore. I had to get control of my physical health. And at this point in time, I wanted to do the same thing with my mental health. But as I was in that hot tub, I wondered, even is mental health? Is it just taking a Prozac and getting on with your day? How do I get good mental health. What do I do? Who do I need to go see? A therapist? A psychiatrist? Who? There just weren't many answers. And I didn't want someone just to hand me over a prescription so I could go medicate over it. No, just like with my physical health, I wanted to get to the root cause and make it go away for good. So I set out to figure it all out. And I want to share with you what I found out. And if you can relate, I want you to know I have been there. I found the way out, and that's why I've made it my mission to share this information with you so you can feel better too. You don't have to suffer anymore. Now, as you listen to this podcast, I want you to think about that question for yourself. What is modern mental hygiene? How do you define that for yourself? That is a powerful question to ask and a great place to start. What do you need to do to improve your mental health? 
I love the parallels from dental health and dental hygiene that helps me navigate this world of mental hygiene. Because just like my dental hygiene, I want excellence. I want that same level of health in my mental and emotional life. So what is mental hygiene? It's the daily activities that support and maintain mental health and prevent disorders to help people function at their full mental potential. It's the daily practices that aid in coping in a stressful world. Listen, before I started taking care of mental health, like I'm going to share with you today, I was totally not functioning at my full mental potential. How can you when you're mentally exhausted and burned out? That's why this is so important. Our emotions are the way we experience and interpret the world. So our mental health is everything. Just think about it. For example, if someone asks you just a benign question, they ask you about school, about dentistry, where you live. Tell me about your kids. You don't just spew facts at them. Oh, I went to school at XYZ school and graduated in 2016. No, you tell them how hard it was. You tell them how much you loved it, how much you're glad that it's over. And in in dentistry, it's not just I want to clean teeth or I want to file insurance. No, I want to help my patients have excellent dental hygiene, the confidence of a beautiful smile, to avoid the discomfort of decay or the problems they'll have from missing teeth. Our emotions are everything, and they deserve our full potential of our mental ability. They deserve our attention and our support. But here's the thing. We are designed for growth and evolvement. We're programmed for survival, to stay the same. And it's not our fault, but it is our problem. And the best news of all is, even though our brains are the problem, turns out they're the solution too. We have the ability to override that instinctual program. We can use our mental energy to create the exact life we want to live. So how do we do that? First of all, I don't know about you, but I've not seen formal classes in school teaching us about our emotions, which is crazy because our emotions are so important. I think what we know about our emotional lives, we just pick up unintentionally in the world. And all of that is so far off base or completely wrong. So we have to unlearn some things because this is what we're taught in life. We're taught that the world around us, social media, all of the things. We're taught that being emotionally healthy means we're happy. So many of us think being skinny means we're healthy, like I used to. It's not the case. I used to do some pretty unhealthy things in order to be thin. Starvation diets, all kinds of pills, liquid this, three days of that, 10 days of this. It it was crazy stuff. And you know how much trouble we've gotten ourselves into by chasing the number on a scale as an indication of how healthy we are. It's the same with our mental health. Chasing happiness has caused us more emotional unhappiness than anything else. Think about it. Trying to be happy, we overeat because we're stressed out. We overdrink trying to escape a bad day. 
we binge social media or Netflix trying to chill out and not have to face negative emotions. And debt, we get ourselves into debt from that dopamine hit we get by hitting the add to cart button. And we don't even have the money to pay for that stuff. We end up in credit card debt. And then we also have to unlearn what we're taught that other people make us happy or hurt our feelings. I just heard that this week with a friend of mine. She was telling her little four-year-old daughter, that hurt mommy's feelings when you misbehave like that. And you see it all over social media. I hate my job because my doctor doesn't appreciate me. If I quit, then we'll just see how appreciative she'll be. But you're the one experiencing those emotions, not her. You hear other people, I want to quit my job because one of the other team members was talking about me. I love everything about my job except that toxic office manager. And you also hear, once I find the perfect partner, then I'll be happy. The perfect house, the perfect address, the perfect car, the all of that. It doesn't work that way. So we need to learn to take back responsibility of our emotions, our mental health, and stop handing all our power over to things outside of us. The other night, my husband said something that just a few years ago, it would have driven me crazy. I would have sulked about it for days, given him the silent treatment. I would have let my mind go crazy, ruminating and nitpicking over everything that was wrong with him. It was such a change, and I felt so powerful because I could look at the situation in my power. And I just thought with curiosity and fascination, isn't that interesting he'd have that point of view? And then just move on. Now, was it being a doormat? That's not what I'm talking about. When you allow the things other people say and do to not make you feel any way, good or bad, that's when you have power. You're not making yourself a victim. We're just not aware of it because we haven't been taught properly. And that's why I'm sharing this with you now. In that situation, I was standing fully in my own mental power, letting him be him and not allowing anything he said to impact my mental energy. It is amazing. My relationship with myself and with him is stronger. And we're also taught that our our emotional lives are dependent on our circumstances. You've seen folks posts like this on Facebook, like I'm about to share with you. This said, I need a break. If I could find a job with minimal interaction with other people and something you can work as much or as little as you want, make your own schedule and get paid really well for it, then I'd be happy. Listen, your emotional life is your responsibility. It's not your jobs. It's not money's responsibility. It's not other people. Imagine if you had a patient say something like that to you. I tried to brush my teeth, but my kids kept interrupting, so I couldn't do it. That floss you gave me, it tasted bad. I didn't have enough for the whole month or the six months. By the time I get home, I'm so stressed out. I just fall asleep on the sofa. I can't even pick up that Sonicare. When you see these scenarios from your experience working with your patients and their thoughts and beliefs, it's really eye-opening. Listen, you have more power over your mental health than you think you do. 
But as long as we continue to believe that other people and things outside of us are responsible for our emotional lives, we're going to continue to suffer. And finally, and this is the reason I wanted to include the modern part about mental hygiene. Remember, our brains are wired for us to survive, not thrive. And that programming is what has gotten us to the world of today, but it's not serving us in the modern world. Remember the motivational triad I talk about a lot. Our brains are motivated to seek pleasure. They want to stay connected with people, to stay warm, to be comfortable, to eat food. They're motivated to avoid pain, be on the lookout for danger, things that threaten us, the bad guys, disease, sickness. And they're motivated to conserve energy. Back in the day, people needed more energy more energy to work and go find the food. But you don't have to go back to caveman days to find an illustration of that. I think of my poor grandmother and the way she grew up. She was born in 1900 and passed away in 1994. She didn't always have running water in her home. She and her family had to grow their own food. They needed to conserve energy for all the plowing of the ground and the planting and all that. Listen, she made me go with her one time when I was a kid to dig these potatoes out of the ground. It was hard work. It was so hard. I left and walked home. I was probably 10 years old, and it was probably half a mile to my house, but I went by myself. Like, I got out of there. It was hard work. And even when you got that food out of the garden, like if it was the peas, you had to shell the peas, freeze them all in her living room that didn't have central air. There was no Instacart that you could just push a few buttons on your phone and then have them magically appear at your front porch like we can today. I often wonder what she would think about. I paid $6 for a bottle of water last week at the Rockies game. I just wonder what she would think about that. DoorDash your dinner. You You don't even have to cook it now. It was funny. Several years ago, when my daughter was in college, I was looking through her checking account and I was like, what is wrong with your car? I thought she was having problems with her car and not telling me. She had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, listen, there are six Uber charges in the last week and a half. And she was like, mom, that's Uber Eats delivering my lunch. It is a totally different world that we live in today's modern times. Those saber-toothed tigers they talk about that were such a threat back in the day, those are disguised now as all this comfort food around us. Netflix, Amazon, we seek out that dopamine hit at our fingertips, and we avoid pain of trying new experiences or opportunities. Fear will fail at something. How many of us have stayed stuck in jobs in relationships, in situations, rather than risk being alone, rather than risk being rejected in new opportunities. And listen, we have conserved energy to the point now that we are lazy. But again, here's the good news. Turns out, because our brains are the problem, they're also the solution. We have that prefrontal cortex that can override that programming. We just need to learn how. We need to learn to delay pleasure in the moment for what we want most long-term. We need to learn to be uncomfortable because that is part of excellent mental hygiene. 
In today's world, we don't want to avoid pain to the point that we distract ourselves from it, even when it causes a net negative result. You're stressed out. You come home. You eat a sleeve of Oreos, a bucket of ice cream. Then you gain weight, and then you feel bad about being overweight. Same with alcohol. You have a bad day. You come home. You're only going to have a glass or two. Next thing you know, that bottle is empty, and you feel like crap in the morning. We need to learn to open up to pain instead of resisting it. We need to learn to process it. Listen, life is 50-50. 50% on this side of amazing, 50% on the other. It's always been that way. Always will. Just a different flavor of it. Living a full life as a human being means you're going to have negative emotion. You must learn to process and stop pushing and resisting it away. That only makes it worse. The more willing we are to experience both sides of amazing, the more full and amazing our lives will actually be. And we also need to use energy to go after our dreams. We need to unlearn the things the world has imposed on us about our emotional lives and take back 100% responsibility for them. Only then are you going to gain authority over your mental health and have the power to improve it. Okay, so once you accept that responsibility, there are some mental hygiene practices and skills you can do daily to improve your mental health. Just like our home care instructions we used to give our patients in our practice, I've created this checklist for you, mental hygiene checklist. You can go grab a copy over on my website. There's 10 practices and skills. I'm going to list them out today as we wrap up this podcast and go over them briefly, but I'm going to go over them in depth in upcoming episodes, so be watching for it. This is the material I teach in my Dental Life Academy membership. I'd love for you to join me over there in September when I launch the next group. In the meantime, join me in my free Facebook group, Dynamic Dental Professionals. We talk about all this stuff over there too. I just really want you to get a hold of this information and apply it to your life so you can feel better, so you can live the exact life you want to live and stop living by default. So let's go over these 10 mental hygiene skills and practices. The first one, I talk about a lot. In fact, in the past few episodes, I've talked about it, creating a future you're excited about. Go listen to those previous podcasts. You can add them to your mental hygiene practices. When you create this vision for your future, make sure it's big enough that it excites you and it challenges you, but it won't defeat you. Don't underestimate the power of this practice. The value of creating a vision like this is that it will pull you forward. It's going to inspire you to do things you never would have done before. It's going to inform the decisions you make. You're going to be focused on this powerful vision. You're going to be determined. And then all of a sudden, these petty things that you focused on before, other things people say and do, they're going to lose power. You've got to get better to use your brain power for things you're going after and stop worrying about the things that don't matter. And then there's the practice of self-evaluation. That's the daily practice to check to see what's going on in your brain. 
to understand what's going on in your emotional life, to understand why you take the actions you take, why you don't do the things you say you're going to do, why you react to situations like you do. And it's the mental actions you take, the ruminating, the spinning in negative emotion. All of that stuff is a practice, just like brushing and flossing. You got to do it daily. The third skill is to take massive action and create results. You are committed to the results you want to create in your life, and you don't quit on yourself. You don't just think about things. You don't just plan to get around to it, wish things would happen. You take action until you get the result you want. You understand there's going to be challenges and obstacles along the way, and you have a strategy to overcome them. For example, when I teach my clients this practice, the way to plan to get this massive action done, part of that plan includes the decision about when you're going to quit. You have to engage the prefrontal cortex part of your brain and let it do its job in the planning process. If not, you're going to allow that pre-programmed part to run back in the cave, to avoid pain, to quit when you bump up against a problem. And then the fourth skill, unconditional love. This is, I only love you. I only love myself if and when. It's that kind of mentality. You withhold love from yourself over things you say or do, the mistakes you made. And we also think if we withhold love from others, punish them because of something they said or did that hurt us, they're going to be hurt too. Listen, they don't feel that. They are in charge of their emotion. You're the only one that feels that. We are human beings. We're all going to make mistakes and mess up. So don't beat yourself up about it. Excellent mental hygiene means you love yourself through all of it. Love is an emotion. We're either creating it or resisting it. Unconditional love is a practice you can master, and it is the ultimate gift you can give yourself. And then number five, Learn to balance all emotions. You know how to manage the emotions in your life. You don't resist or push away the negative feelings or overindulge in the positive feelings. And then number six, you control what you can control and you stop trying to control all the things outside of you and you know the difference. It's just like the weather. You can't control it. I'm sitting here today recording my podcast, and it's thundering like crazy outside. I cannot control that. You can't control what other people say and do. You can't control the economy. You can't control control the environment. But here are the things you can control. You can control your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. And that's where your power is. That's where your mental hygiene skills need to be practiced. And then number seven, Create value and contribution. This is the things you do to add value to your life and to the world. Are you contributing to your life or are you just complaining about things? When you practice contributing to your personal life, the more you can show up and contribute to the world around you. It's fabulous. And then number eight, manage or limit distractions. You distract or try to escape from yourself or your emotional life 
with these distractions. You overeat, you overdrink, you waste time on social media in front of the TV. Even overworking, I did that a lot in our practice. Rather than have a difficult conversation with someone, hold them accountable for not doing their job, or even to take responsibility to grow my leadership skills, I just do the work myself. This is all the things that you do to try to avoid the negative emotions in your life. And then number nine, the skill of controlling your time. This is different than getting a day timer and doing these time management skills. It's not that. This is the mental hygiene skill that you practice where you are aware of your time. You use it to serve you. You're not at the effect of it. I like to think of it similar to the schedules in our practice. You know the time, the effort, the resources we use to get patients on the schedule. Keep them there. And you know the chaos it creates when patients break their appointment, when they keep rescheduling. Or, God forbid, they show up late. But we do the same thing with ourselves with our schedule. We plan things, and then we don't show up for ourselves. We say, we're going to go to this meeting, and then we don't. We don't prioritize the things that are important to us. This is a huge skill that we need to commit to and to practice. And then number 10 is the skill of controlling your money. This is the mental hygiene practice where you have a money philosophy. You use your money to support you and your goals. You are intentional and abundant in your thoughts about money and the way you manage it. I just posted this in the Dynamic Dental Professionals Facebook group. If you look at yourself three, five, 10 years from now, what are your challenges? Are you still not having enough money? Do you still want more? This is a skill you can practice. Now, I briefly went over these 10 skills. I'm going to be covering them more in depth in the upcoming weeks. So I hope you'll come back and join me in those episodes. In the meantime, I want you to have a fabulous week and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye for now.